This episode of the Weekly Standard Podcast is sponsored by The Great Courses. The Great Courses brings the world's greatest professors to your fingertips with more than 500 courses on science, history, philosophy, fine arts, better living, and more. The Great Courses are available on digital download and streaming or DVD and CD. Best of all, you can listen to or watch The Great Courses at your own pace without the pressure of homework or exams. And now, for a limited time only... The Great Courses is giving our listeners an offer of up to 80% off the original price of selected courses, including The Decisive Battles of World History. For this limited time 80% offer, please go to thegreatcourses.com slash WS to find out more. That's thegreatcourses.com slash WS. Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us on the Weekly Standard is Bill Crystal. And Bill, instead of interviewing you today, instead I'm going to sing a few of my favorite James Taylor songs, I think, to start this off. It's Journalism Via Pop Star, kind of like John Kerry's International Relations Via Pop Star. It's really unbelievable, right? I mean, just as the French had gotten over, presumably, the fact that the Obama administration sent no one serious to Paris for that march and probably figured, okay, let's, well, let's move on here. And John Kerry has to bring it all back up by... By, by sort of making it up to people, by bringing James Taylor over. I mean, you can't make it up. Really. Well, it's, what's more yeah. disturbing is when he sent Edwin Starr over to Syria to sing war. What is it good for? Absolutely nothing. So clearly <laughs> ISIS is on the run as well. I can think I of can. a litany of world problems going to be solved simply by having the threat of sending air supply to sing to them. I mean, two courses <laughs> of I'm, I'm, I'm all out of love. I'll surrender. Putin will be out of Crimea in a half an hour, I'm telling you. You're on a roll here. You're on a roll. Just keep <laughs> going. You know, that's good, that's good stuff. But you know what? We joke about it, but this is an administration that <sighs> took, took, took seriously the term hashtag diplomacy. This is an administration that Michelle Obama uh, held up with the hashtag, what was it, uh, um, send our girls right. back mm-hmm. or send our girls home, whatever it was. Um, and unfortunately, those girls have not been sent home. And Boko Haram has killed God knows how many thousand more people. And we are doing very little about it. And there was just a big article like in the journal that despite the airstrikes, uh, which are very minimal and have no ground support, uh, uh, ISIS is stronger than ever in Syria. I mean, it really, you do wonder, do they just not care? Do they really believe that the way the real world out there works is uh, hashtags and, 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 you know, pop music and uh, speeches? I guess they think that stuff really is fundamentally important as opposed to actual power and force and being the strong horse rather than the weak horse. Well, one of the great moments was when uh, the White House was asked about the report that ISIS is still gaining in Syria, and they said, well, 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 we've been focusing on Iraq. So people, so the question was, well, so we're winning in Iraq. Well, no, we're not winning, winning there either, but, but we're focusing on it. Uh, I just, it is, of all the things that this, this White House has a problem with, did they really think their problem was they weren't viewed unseriously enough that they really needed to go to the pop star and cartoon level? Uh, too much gravitas. That's what's been holding this president back. It's, it's embarrassing. I saw a foreign ambassador actually this week. I, I don't do that that much, but he asked me to come over and have a cup of coffee and a major country. And um, I was really struck. Mean, they're, they're always very diplomatic, obviously, and argue that say things they shouldn't say things critical of you know the president of the united states here in america to someone who's uh, on the other side and who also runs a magazine that i want that is off the record but still so he was careful but i was really struck how worried he was as an ally of the u.s by the president's just total disengagement and sort of fecklessness about these issues and that permeates down through the government and so we have allies out there who want to do the right thing who are trying to approach us to work with us to do the right thing and we're sort of uh, you know, we're kind of busy, and that's kind of a heavy lift. And why don't you talk to those other allies there? I mean, it really, it, it was actually worrisome. 
the uh, president this week released five more uh, uh, detainees from Gitmo, terrorists from right. Yemen, even as the French killed three terrorists from Yemen. So apparently the terrorists are up two this week is the scoreboard. But it is kind of um, almost... I mean, it's beyond a plot point in an episode of 24 that the same week that Europe is acting against terror, the Belgians have had to carry out raids, the Germans are working on raids, we are literally returning terrorists to Oman and one to Estonia that same week from the same country that uh, trained or, or guided the terrorists in Paris. And I think you and Tom Jocelyn discussed those yesterday, uh, uh, how many of these terrorists have gotten from Gitmo have gotten back on the battlefield. And... Uh, how many people we've released who are now doing damage to us and obviously to our allies. I talked with someone who really follows the counterterrorism stuff in Europe closely. The French have been pretty good at counterterrorism. They don't really have our scruples about the Fourth Amendment, Fifth Amendment, oh, you know, not, uh, treating, and they're, they're pretty, they'll listen in on people, they'll follow people, they'll interrogate people at home. They, 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 they you know, they want a pretty tough uh, state there. And I, uh, I asked this guy who follows us very closely, what happened? How did they lose track of the those uh, the, the killers who came back from Syria, uh, and he said he talked to his friends over in Paris, and the answer was that just too many of them now. You know, they just they can't follow two thousand, three thousand returning people, returning uh, Muslims from Syria who are French citizens. It's not you know you can't try to prove they've been in Syria. It's not on their passport. They go to Turkey, and so but even so, it's just there's so many to follow, and you can't follow them all twenty four seven, and so these plots get hatched. So I think there is a sense of I won't say panic, but real concern among serious people in Europe. They've, they've sort of enjoyed, uh, you know, America's fighting the tough wars. Uh, they've had some bad incidents there over the, uh, over the last decade and a half, obviously, but basically they kind of felt like they're out of the fray. And now they really see the price we're paying for Syria, for letting that civil war metastasize, spread, uh, become a recruiting tool, become a, a magnet for the, Arab, for the Muslims in Europe who are now coming back to Europe, uh, with terrorist training and with connections and orders sometimes, uh, that's really, uh, they're, they're scared. They're really worried. And then the other major battle of the week, and didn't involve quite as much uh, danger, Bush versus uh, Romney. Although, listening to the campaigns, i got to think they're just one snipey comment away from throwing down bare-knuckled behind a bar somewhere. Yeah, it's fantastic to see all these aides taking shots at each other. And, I mean, one more ridiculous than the, than the next. I've got to think, that generally speaking, the uh, watching Bush and Romney this last week has made an awful lot of Republican primary voters think, couldn't we have someone else? <laughs> <laughs> well, no one makes Republican primary voters want to say, could we have someone else like Mitt Romney, who was so difficult to accept that in 2012 people seriously looked for about 30 minutes at Herman Cain as a possible nominee. Which brings me to the piece by Fred Barnes uh, that I saw at theweeklystandard.com. Taking Ben Carson seriously. On behalf of millions of Republican primary voters, Bill, may I ask the question, do we have to? Well, you should give him a hearing, you know. I mean, usually the non-elected official types, uh, you know, are interesting for a while and then flame out. But this is a very impressive man. Uh, I've only met him a couple of times, and but I've certainly been impressed. And, you know, more the merrier, as I've been saying, let him make his case. Uh, the elected officials haven't done such a great job. The odds are obviously very strong that at the end of the day it's a governor or a senator or a former governor or someone like that who, who gets uh, nominated. But, uh, you know, let Ben Carson go for it and let's, let's, let's see what happens. But I am struck watching the Romney-Bush thing. I mean, just if, if you think the country's kind of broken, the system's broken, we need fresh faces. Hillary Clinton embodies the status quo and, and the less desirable aspects of the status quo. 
watching the, the Bush team and the Romney team snipe at each other does make you think that Republican primary voters a year from now, when they're actually having to make decisions, maybe Bush can sell himself and say, hey, look, I'm, you know, I've got a real vision for America. I've got a real reform agenda. Maybe Romney can explain what his, what his agenda would be. But I, I think watching the two of them uh, made me think, you know, Scott Walker, Ted Cruz, Marco Rubio, Mike Pence, whoever it is, Ben Carson, younger faces, fresher faces, they've got an awfully good shot against these two uh, establishment candidates, I think. And, and what's interesting to me is that the, the thinking would be Tea Party folks like the ones I hang out with would be excited about a Ben Carson. He certainly has, the, you know, the people like him, definitely. But what I'm hearing more often than anything is we just got to win. We've got yeah. to win this election. And I think that's one reason why there was a tiny little sparklet behind Mitt Romney is because I heard from Republicans who, like myself, were no fans who predicted he would lose uh, because of his bad fit for the country and for the party who said, well, you know what, if, this, if, if, if Mitt is what it takes to win, we'll even do Mitt. And that's why I think this is really not a Ben Carson's moment. And thanks to all the great competitors out there, it's not really Mitt or Jeb's moment. You've got, the, the, you've got men and women who meet the party in the country where it is, and I, I don't think you're going to see a big groundswell for Ben Carson the way it was, for example, for Herman Cain. You might be right, and you know someone like Scott Walker can say, "Hey, you know we need to win," and I have won three races in Wisconsin with an awful lot of stuff thrown against me. And Wisconsin is a, not just a swing state; it's really more of a blue state, um, and that should mean something. Marco Rubio obviously won very easily in Florida, another swing state. So, yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that. I think that, and Rubio and Romney will make the case that, you know, given everything that was out there against an incumbent president, he didn't do badly. He'll do better next time. He's been through it. There's no no one's going to discover any scandals that uh, haven't been discovered already and there aren't really there's a much of the scandals apparently in, in the Romney family so yeah, he's probably pretty safe on that score so you know uh, they'll all make their case but I agree with you I, a Republican primary election strikes me as being very hard-headed this time but I think also very open-minded in the sense that they don't want to commit the way people have in the past either to establishment candidates front runners or to enthusiasm candidates like a Herman Cain or a Michelle Bachman uh, they want to step back, watch them for a few debates, watch them maybe for a few primaries, if, unless you're in Iowa or New Hampshire, see how they comport themselves, see what they have to say. I think it could be a pretty policy-heavy uh, election campaign, too. People will want to say, well, what are you going to do about the economic problems of the middle class and the working class? What are you going to do about ISIS? And so I think there will be uh, – it's going to be, I think, a different kind of campaign than the last several Republican presidents. Well, then let me ask you the one last question that concerns a lot of the uh, grassroots people I talk to, which is – and you see it in, in, the, in the fight between Romney and Mitt. This, there's a sense of either entitlement or maybe a better word is ownership. The, you know, the Republican, let's face it, the Republican presidential nominations really did belong to a handful of people from 1988 on, particularly when they had the South Carolina firewall and then Governor Campbell was able to deliver for any establishment candidate. They would just, he would hand him South Carolina, give him key momentum after a stumble out of Iowa or New Hampshire. Uh, do, do, is there still a relatively small group of people with money who can, in fact, all but buy the nomination? Do they still have that kind of influence in the uh, ma in the uh, calendar that the Republicans are using? I mean, I think not. I think the world has changed enough, both in terms of some of the primary roles, but more importantly, in terms of the ability of uh, people to have super PACs and the ability to raise money online and small donors and the new media and the Internet and everything together I've got to think that that old system has come to is coming to an end. I thought it would have come to an end in 2012. I, I think Mitt Romney just got lucky 
in that most of his opponents, maybe all of his opponents, ultimately just didn't seem credible as president. Even so, Rick Santorum came within, what, three points of him, I think, in Michigan and, and, and uh, right. Illinois. So, um, Ohio, I guess it was. So, um, it really, I, I kind of think this is the year, the, the finally, it, we have a big shift, and it really is wide open, and people can make their own cases. And, um, yeah, I, I, I tend to think no firewalls. I, 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 that's my, my sense is just talking, as I try to do, as you do, to a fair number of people out there, is they really want to, they don't want to be told who to nominate. And to the degree Bush or Romney come across as sort of being imposed on voters, I think that will actually hurt them. Well, Bill, if you just call out my name, you know that I'll be there. I'll come running to see you again. I want you to know that that's from me and from uh, James Taylor. Winter, spring, summer, or fall? That's deeply moving. Oh, my God. I mean, you know, it is. You know, we can make fun of Kerry. I don't like John Kerry, and I didn't vote for his boss, Barack Obama. I didn't vote for him. So, but he is the Secretary of State of the United States of America, you know. And, and he's a pretty good backup France, vocalist, apparently. And France is a major ally, and France is actually, you know, now fighting the war on terrorism, as we have been, in a very concrete way, and it's embarrassing. It's well, embarrassing. in particular because I happen to know that the French Foreign Minister requested Katy Perry. Yeah, so that's exactly. a real, real bummer. <laughs> Bill Crystal, thanks so much for joining us on the Weekly Standard Podcast. My pleasure, Michael. You've been listening to the Weekly Standard Podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.